name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Christ is risen. It's the last Sunday we get to say that, you realize. This Wednesday, we celebrate the ascension of Christ, this Wednesday evening at, at uh, 6 o'clock. So, kind of plan that in your calendar. The healing of the blind man. The last Sunday of Pascha, the last Paschal Sunday. This healing was in the Gospel of John, the sixth sign that the Lord had uh, shown to us. The first sign in the Gospel of St. John was the changing of the water into wine. The next was the healing of the nobleman's son. The son was far off and the Lord said, He's healed, and as he was approaching home again, he found out that his son had been healed on the very moment that Christ said he would be healed. Then the healing of the paralytic, which we celebrate in Apostle uh, Sunday, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on water, and today we celebrate the healing of the blind man in the last, last miracle, in the, the, seventh, the, the, the seventh miracle in the Gospel of John is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. So all these are signs of the power of God. Christ comes to us to show his power, to show that he has dominion over the natural world, that the order of nature can be overcome, overturned by the power of the divine. Christ shows us in these miracles his divinity, that he is truly God, not just a man working uh, the, with the power of God, but God himself. That Christ is truly God, the divine one. But above, above everything else, these miracles show his love. They show his love for mankind. Each of these was a, an act to help another person, to, to raise somebody from the dead, to take somebody blind and make them to see to bring joy to the wedding feast by changing water to wine, by walking on water in the, in the calming of a storm. So all these things, we see the very love of God. Uh, above all that we know uh, and see in these miracles, we see above all that, we see God's love for us. In these texts, uh, this beautiful long gospel, read very well by Deacon John, by the way, uh, there's three things I'd like to point out. One is this comment made at the very beginning of the gospel text. Uh, was this the sin? Did this man sin or his parents sin? Is this why he's blind? This idea of sin being a, uh, a, a malady like this being a consequence. So does our sin wrought consequence. Are there consequences, spiritual consequences to sin? <laughs> have you ever done something that you shouldn't have done and know that there's been a spiritual consequence? Yes. So the answer is yes. Why does God do that? Why is there a consequence to sin? Because God doesn't like you. And he wants to make life miserable for you. Why does he do it? Just wait, John. 
He wants to move us back to the center. If we step out over here doing something we shouldn't be doing, we get a little swat. Why? Because he doesn't like us. No, because he loves us and he wants to get us back to the center. And say we step a little farther out, guess what's going to happen? Whack! Because he doesn't like us. No, because he wants to get us back to the center. Because he loves us. That's why there's consequences to sin. That's, it, it's so simple for us. We just, you just get it. We get it. Just get it. That if we, we, we err in sin, God will bring us a consequence, and we pray it's a light one, but it's du- directing us back to the center. We should, be, we should be grateful for that. Grateful for that correction. He says he chastens those he loves. So this should not be for us. us uh, uh, it should be a joy for us to know that God is going to direct us back to the center. But it's interesting in this, he also says, the Lord says, he, it wasn't because of sin. This particular blindness wasn't because of sin, it was because God is going to be glorified. This, this was all done so God would be glorified. So that there was really, in a sense, a strength test for the blind man. To live blind and then to endure it to a point where when God showed up, he didn't resent God, he worshipped God. So sometimes our, our difficulties that befall us are there to strengthen our faith, to build us up. So what is our response when we come to issues in our life, come to circumstances in our life that are uh, challenges, a blindness, a sickness, or some other malady? You know, I, my personal feeling is we shouldn't spend a lot of time uh, trying to analyze why it's happening. What we should do is is begin to pray and to beg God to help us out of this malady and in that repent, for it might be there because you sin. But to sit there and try to analyze it is very difficult. So when we come to a malady, let's repent. You know, it's so interesting to me. I was thinking the other day, that when the priest gives his prayer uh, at, the, at a confession, there are five people mentioned. They're all bad. They all did bad things. It's so interesting to me that they're exalted. Why are they exalted? Why are these people exalted? Why are they lifted up? Why are they, they admired? They did bad stuff. Why, did they, why are they admired? They repented, David, when he, when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet. Uh, Peter, weeping bitterly for his denial. The sinful woman in tears at his feet. The publican couldn't even, he had nothing good to say of himself. And the prodigal son who wasted everything. These are all superstars. 
superstars because of their repentance. Uh, let that be something you jump to. When something befalls you, jump to repentance. Lord, if there's something in my life that I need to take care of, show it to me, please. If this is here because I need to look deeper into my soul and repent, help me do that. Repent. Draw near to God in repentance. And if not that, or I would say, and also draw near to God in prayer. If there's an issue you have, beg Him for help. Supplicate Him. That was, that was the, the, the uh, healing of the paralytic, the healing of the blind man, the nobleman's son, Jairus' daughter, all healed because of supplication. Because they came to God. All of it, beloved, in our repentance, in our supplication, is, is one thing happens, and that's you draw near to Christ. And in drawing near to Christ, you receive grace. When you draw near to Christ, you receive grace. So, pray. Repent. Because you receive grace. Both ways. So don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out why. Pray. Repent. Receive the grace of God. So we have that great thing for us to come to. Uh, secondly, uh, um, very beautiful, the Lord takes clay in his saliva and he tells the blind man to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He takes physical stuff and through the physical, he manifests spiritual grace. Spit. Clay water, and he manifests the grace of healing. And we see that in the incarnation. He shows his divinity through his humanity. You know, for us, and the beauty for us is that in uh, our, the beautiful ancient practice of the church is that there's sanctification that comes through the physical. When you walk into church, I'll share a story with you. Um, two stories, actually. Uh, we had uh, the uh, liturgical um, festival uh, a bit ago on icons, and the mayor of Goleta walks in, and she had caught her breath. She lost, lost her breath. <gasps> <gasps> this is not Goleta. No, and this is, it blew her away. And the president of uh, uh, the university, when we were in Isla Vista, came into the church and leaned over to Father John Seaman, who walked, he said, this is not Isla Vista. You know why? Because it was sanctified by the beauty of the icons and by prayer. Sanctified. Holy place. Sanctified place. Set apart for God. Now, I want to encourage you. You need a holy place. You need one in your home, and you got one here. You need a place that's set apart to pray, set aside for holiness, for sanctification, where you can go and just be quiet and spend time with God. You don't need to go pray there. You just need to be there. You walk into this place, you just come and sit in the church. 
Father Richard told me one time I came to church early. It was my spiritual father, who's passed, passed, uh, the first pastor of this church. Um, I came to church early, and he's sitting in the front row here where he always sat looking at the icon of Christ. And he said to me, Father Nicholas, this is the only place life makes sense. Can't turn the TV on and find sense. Can't find sense in your own life many times. It's the only place life makes sense in a sanctified, holy place because God is present. You need a holy place, a corner in your home, a, a, a room set apart, some place where you can go and touch the holiness of God, where that, the grace that came through that spittle and, and, and uh, water and clay can come to you. That beautiful place where you can just sit. You don't need to pray, sit there and do a bunch, say a bunch of words. Just be present there. There's a great, a great story uh, uh, from uh, the book um, Beginning to Pray by Father Anthony, Bishop Anthony Bloom of Blessed Memory now. And he said this lady came to him and said, uh, I've lost my prayer. I lost my prayer. And he said, well, tell me something. What do you like to do? <laughs> she said, I like to drink tea. He says, okay. I want you to make a cup of tea. I want you to light the candle in your home altar. And I want you to sit there and sip your tea. And she came back several weeks later, and he said, well, how are you doing? She said, the silence was deafening. I found my prayer. I found God. Holy places, we need them. We need them. So set it apart. Spend time there. Even if you can't do that, go sit out in a garden somewhere. You know, you're going to be surprised. St. Herman said, if you're really depressed, go hug a tree. He did. We think it's tree huggers. Tree huggers were the great saints of the forest. They knew God. They knew they could feel God present in the forest. You ever hugged a tree? Yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? I agree. It's holy places. We need holy places. And finally, the, in the text it says that he was once blind and now he sees. You know, it's so interesting to me that the beauty of his life is that he went and followed Christ. Uh, there are stories in the gospel where uh, um, lepers are healed, ten lepers are healed, and... One comes back and says, thank you. And the other nine just go on and live life. The Israelites, it's very interesting to me, the Israelites were so grateful when the Lord delivered them out of Egypt. So grateful when they passed the Red Sea. So grateful when he brought manna. But every time an, uh, a miracle happened, guess what they started, started to do? Complain. They started to complain because they never sat 
and nurtured their thanksgiving. I want to encourage you, make a list. Write it down. Have a book of thanksgivings. We need to know how great God has been for us. We need to thank Him more constantly for the many, many blessings He's given to us. Many, many more things than are disturbing. Many more. You know, we say half, do we look at the cup that's half full or half empty? I think it's seven-eighths full. We look at the one-eighth empty. You Go ahead and make your list. I challenge you. Make a list of the things that you're thankful for and then see how many, how many you have. And start making a lot. Think about a lot of things you can list. The list will go on and on and on. And then try to make the things, list of the things that you're not happy for. The list will be fairly small. I bet you it's seven, eight, seven, uh, seven, eight, seven, eight, eight, eight to one eight. If it isn't, come to confession. No. Uh, we'll go three quarters. I'll give you a break. Okay? Thank God. Constantly make that a part of your life. Not just like when something good happens, but just have a thankful spirit. I've shared this before with you, but it really has affected my life. Um, uh, Father Meletios Weber says, uh, he's a monk, uh, an abbot in the monastery of St. John up in Northern California, said he makes his monks thank God for five things before they get out of bed every morning. I can barely get out of bed in the morning, so I can eke, eke myself to the coffee pot and click that. Just if I get that cup of coffee in me, then I can start thanking him. So I don't worry about that. But in my prayer rule in the morning, I have added a place where I thank God. It has totally changed how I look at things. Totally changed. And what it is, it's interesting to me, I normally just thank him for the things that happened the day before. And there's all kinds of stuff. And I'm facing a difficult day, and I look at that and go, well, Look what happened yesterday. He took care of me. Look how thankful I am for yesterday. What do I expect? More blessings. More blessings. So be thankful. Be thankful. Make it a part somehow of your day. I've encouraged people sometimes to just actually write, get a book, get a journal, and make that your Thanksgiving journal. Every day, write in it. It will, it will really help you. Really lift your, it'll lift your soul. It'll lift your soul. So through the prayers of our Lord Jesus, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the prayers of all the saints, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and save us for you good and love mankind. Christ is risen.